welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Playbook. And here with episode 59, our guest is Chevy. Chevy, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, Joe. How are you today? Excellent, excellent. So uh, why don't you tell us a little about your story, Chevy? How, you know, what made you decide to become a realtor? Ooh, um, you know, I, for anybody that doesn't know, actually from Alaska, not from Florida. And when I was in Alaska, I had a really great realtor up there and I really liked real estate. Every time we would go to see a house for something, buying, selling, the whole process, I usually came prepared with more information than she did. Not because she wasn't <laughs> a good agent, but because I was already online looking up everything under the sun. Um, and she told me time and time again, you should probably be a realtor. And I was like, nah, maybe. Um, when it came time to move to Florida, I actually reached out to her and um, got some contacts here in Florida for agents that she knew down here. And I considered taking my test and getting my license, but ultimately was like, well, I probably just need to make some money right now and decided not to do it. And um, once the COVID life hit everybody, world changed, I was like, you know what, now's the time to do what I actually want to do and got my license. And here you are. Here I am. Awesome. So what did you do? So obviously coming down, moving to Florida from Alaska, what was your prior occupation before real estate? Um, I did accounting for 15 years, probably okay. the most boring job in the world. It's soul crushing. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's what it was. That's what like I started for your career. Path. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite have the right personality for accounting. I was a little outgoing for that. So, well, it sounds like too, though, from, you know, what I heard when you were kind of giving your story from Alaska, working with your realtor, there, very analytical, very data driven. So that yes. probably has to come from that accounting background, you know, numbers, spreadsheets. Yep. Always I, looking at the data. I might be one of the only agents we have that has my own spreadsheet with all the stuff filled in of all <laughs> my receipts and my checks and everything else. My tax accountant loves me, though. <laughs> so you actually budget? Yeah. Create a profit and well, loss? Well, I don't know about budget. <laughs> I don't have a P&L, but I haven't gone that far with myself. But I do have it all mapped out, and I know how much I make each year, and I know how much I spend each year. and little analytical baby steps <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> so what would you say from the accounting then so obviously it allowed you to track finances kind of gave you put you in the headspace of what to do when looking at the finance how much money is coming in how much is going out to make sure that you know you are kind of always in the black and not going in the red typically yeah what were some other things from your previous occupation in accounting that you think helped you um, achieve success at an accelerated pace um I mean Part of it for me is I have bills to pay, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I have the like, drive to make money because I need to pay bills. But a lot of it was just like you said, the analytical side. You know, I was always, I always keep track of what's coming in, what's going out. Um, for me, um, another big thing that I do that I know some agents don't do is none of my money goes to my checking account. Mm -hmm. It all goes into a separate account, and I pay myself twice a month to pay my bills and whatever else I'm going to do, so that all of my money is somewhere else, and I'm not touching it. Um, but then to me, it's kind of Kind of that game like when you're a little kid and you have a piggy bank and let's see how full you can get your piggy bank well because i'm not putting my money in my checking account and it's not just magically disappearing at starbucks mm -hmm. um i can see this grow and grow and grow and so to me that was that that fun game of let's see how big i can get this stack absolutely um and so um then you know you start getting these paychecks and you're like oh here's another two thousand dollars here's another five thousand dollars and it's all just part of that but Realistically, I mean, the bigger part is I have bills to pay. I have a kid to pay for. It's a motivation, life. I got a, I got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> They're expensive. It tends to do it. Yeah. So one thing I know, and most agents, you know, a lot of them, you know, will tell to incorporate their license right out the gate, create a business entity, you know, either do it as a PA or an LLC. You change the license, then you can kind of incorporate, get the EIN, set up your business accounts. Most agents, obviously, 
don't take that advice till year two. Once they get their 1099, pay the taxes as you know, uh, individual, self-employed, opposed to a corporation or an entity. And even when they do decide to incorporate, most agents are still working out of one account, right? They're operating right. out of one account. Maybe now they got a business, so they got two. We got a business checking and a personal checking. Right. Tell us a little bit, if you don't mind sharing, when this money comes in to give some people perspective on something that they might have overlooked, how does the banking system work for you? So money comes in, one account, and then obviously we know you have a checking. How many accounts do you have and how is that money dispersed, if you're okay sharing that? Well, so what I've done, especially last year, right? I didn't. I was like every agent last year. I didn't know what I was going to make. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Um, I just kind of put my money in my other account so I don't touch it. Um, still, actually, I have an appointment next week with a new tax lawyer um, <laughs> to LLC me. I haven't done that yet. But um, like I said, I, so I've got an Edward Jones Money Market account, which is also where <coughs> my 401k sits. And then I've got just my personal checking account. So I literally, everything goes into that Edward Jones. First and the 15th, I transfer over my paycheck to myself. Um, that way I can just leave it all there. You know, I pay my bills on time, make sure everything's done. Um, the other thing that I was really big on doing last year, and I know this because I did accounting and I did taxes for a very short period until I realized they were absolutely miserable, more miserable than regular accounting. Yeah. Um, I paid quarterlies every quarter last year. For taxes? I, yep. I made sure to stay on top of it and pay my quarterlies. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing the same this year, but we're going to have myself LLC'd in time before the year end that I'm actually going to file this year as the LLC. Awesome. Um, so I'll be getting more back because I'm filing as an LLC, not as um, a sole proprietor, as, mm -hmm. a, you know, as an individual person. So the self-employment tax is going to be much lower. Um, but it's really important to set all of that up and get everything separated and make sure that you are keeping them separate. So once Absolutely. I have the LLC, I'm going to have another bank account that's mm -hmm. going to be the business LLC account. Mm -hmm. So all business expenses will come from there. Um, you know, client closing gifts, my marketing stuff, any of that stuff will all come from that account. And then I will still also pay myself to my personal checking account okay. as needed. And then do you, do you get sophisticated? Do you see yourself in the future? Because I know some agents, when they start to get to a high level and, you know, money's coming in, they'll have a tax account, they'll have the account, everything comes in, then they'll have an operating account, a tax account, the personal checking, maybe something else, you know, for savings or something. Or do you think you'll always kind of just run another business, paying taxes quarterly, staying on top of it that way? For now, I'm going to run it as the business, pay quarterly, like just stay on top of it, leave it as is. When I start making millions, <laughs> probably next year, um, then we'll probably get a little more detailed as needed. But um, I think for now, especially the first few years, um, when you're a new agent, you know the market is shifting. Mm -hmm. we don't you know we don't have the gold mine that we had last year. Last year was pretty easy to make money, um, but you know as you have to kind of just regulate and watch things, it'll um, it's good to just start start basic. Keep, keep yourself simple. Um, don't make it overcomplicated. There's really no need to make the whole thing overcomplicated. And if you've got a good tax accountant, someone that's going to LLC you and make sure to stay on top of you, paying yourself mm -hmm. employment taxes, your quarterly taxes, everything else, you should be good. Yeah, perfect. So talking about the market, you kind of you know alluded to, you know last year there might have been more opportunities, more transactions. Obviously, where you know prices right now we're in a volatile real estate market. You got interest rates going up, Fed's raising rate, dealing with inflation, possible recession. What are some things like what's in this marketplace, even though we know it's more difficult to transact, there is obviously still plenty of business out there to get. What's one thing you're right now that you might be doubling down on to ensure that you're going to have a success in what most consider like a downturn market? 
Um, I mean, obviously, here at 54, we're fortunate, right? We still have leads coming mm -hmm. in, so there is that part of the business. But um, at the end of the day, we all have to build our SOI. Whether you want to be independent or leads, you have to have some SOI in there. Mm -hmm. um, so for me personally, um, I've been doing a lot, and you know this, but for mm -hmm. everybody else, I've been doing a lot with um, building that SOI out. So for me, that looks like um, sponsoring my daughter's PTA at her school, joining the PTA, putting my face out there in front of all the teachers, all the parents, the whole neighborhood. My goal is by the end of this year and maybe the beginning of next year, everybody there has seen my face, not just on a banner outside the school, but all the fundraising events for the school and in the classrooms, doing all of those things to help out because that, um, now they're gonna know. This, hey, she's not just someone that sponsored and put a sign up on the fence like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Now I'm somebody that's actively involved in the community. And mm -hmm. that to me is what's really gonna help build out some of that SOI, you know, specific to my area to begin with, but we all know how referrals go just because Absolutely. you sell one person a house doesn't mean that they don't have friends that live all over the Bay Area. So right. it kind of just builds that out. And that's, that's my focus this year. You know, market reports out to the neighborhood, mailers out to the neighborhood, um, and just kind of continuing to build that as well as um, keeping in touch with my past closings. So then kind of what I'm hearing there is what you're really going all in on is, is cultivating relationships and um, really getting more involved with things you're, besides maybe, you know, the newsletters and sending out the market reports, things you're already doing, like, you know, you're already involved with your daughter's school, PTA, if extracurricular activities, anything like that, just becoming more of a leader or, you know, like a community advocate letting them know that you're in real estate. And then I'm assuming, you know, I'll ask you, but it doesn't sound like that's going to take a whole lot of time to help you cultivate these relationships because a lot of it you already kind of had to do, especially with getting more involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of it I was I was already doing, and, and that was actually a big part of me becoming a real estate agent was that I wanted to already have that time to be able to um, do these things with my daughter and be present for her both at school and in her after school activities and that kind of thing. Or, you know, I didn't want to have to do this nine to five where someone's like, nope, you can't leave early for your daughter's thing today. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I can't. I'm a grown up thing. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was kind of one of my reasons to get into real estate. So when she started school this year as a kindergartner, it was this push of, okay, well here now I get to fulfill part of my reason and my why, mm -hmm. you know, everyone always talks about your why, why are you doing something? And that's a big part is, Absolutely. is my daughter work-life balance. And so, you know, getting out there, getting into the neighborhood, meeting neighbors, you know, I met a bunch more on Halloween cause we, we went trick or treating in a neighborhood over from ours with a past client of mine. Awesome. So, you know, it's just getting out there. Just getting out there. Building those relationships. So talk to us. I know one thing that most agents struggle with, and it, you hear it more from female agents, especially with kids, is a work-life balance. Mm -hmm. talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us, you know, what does that look like? And what are some things that you're disciplined on in the structure you created to help ensure you have that work-life balance so that way you're there to obviously take care of your personal needs, but also tend to your daughter and make sure you're there to pick up, drop off, be involved in activities and all that good stuff. Right, um, I mean, one thing that every agent knows is your office is your car. It is our mobile office. Mm -hmm. it, I can't tell you what radio stations are on, even programmed to my radio at this point because I'd never listened to it. <laughs> um, so you're always in the car making calls, right? Mm -hmm. That's it's a great time if you, know, you connect your phone to your car you're making calls while you're driving, it's perfect. Um, Plus you don't have to hold the phone up to your ear. Exactly. It makes it so we've, much easier. We've come so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the big things is when I started here actually, and 
you probably remember saying this to a lot of people, not just me specifically, but one of the things you told me about work-life balance was, okay, if you have yoga every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 a.m., put it on your calendar. Mm -hmm. It's on your calendar. You are there every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 Mm a.m. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. just your life. Mm -hmm. That's what works for you. If your kid has um, basketball every Wednesday at 530, Mm -hmm. put it on your calendar. Right. So then when it comes time for people to start requesting appointments, you know, you're taking a lead or working with an SOI and they're like, well, I need Wednesday at 545. You're like, I'm really sorry. I have a prior appointment. Mm -hmm. You don't have to tell anybody. That was another thing I learned. You don't have to tell anybody what you're doing. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know that you're going to your daughter's uh, Halloween class at school or Halloween party at school. They don't need to know that. It's not their Mm -hmm. business. All they need to know is you have an appointment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you first start and I was guilty of this, too you're so hungry and so excited and you just want to please everybody that you're like, okay, yeah, 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 no, I can be there in five minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, running around like a crazy person. And so one day it kind of clicks and then you're like, whoa, time out. Nope, not today. So, um, you know, I have my daughter's dad and I have a schedule week on week off Mm -hmm. and on my week with her, I will not show more than one house on a weeknight. Mm -hmm. And only if it's a client that I've been working with that, you know, I've already built a relationship with them. I know I can bring her along if I need to. Um, but I, I don't do it because Mm -hmm. that's her time with me. You're setting Uh, standards. Yeah. I very much set that standard. Um, same with weekends. I won't show mm-hmm. more than two or three houses on a weekend, but only to a client that I've been working with and have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Because it's not fair to my daughter to take all of my weekend time away from her to mm-hmm. go see houses. Absolutely. Um, another one is, which is really also sometimes hard to formulate with people is and set this boundary, is timing of phone calls and texts. <laughs> um Every once in a while, if you know, if there's something going on, obviously you'll take a, a late call or text if you need to, but you also have to kind of shut people down mm-hmm. to a point and not like in a rude way. But if someone texts me at 10 o'clock at night and I, even if I'm up, I'm not responding. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I'm not available for you 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And you have to set that boundary with people. Oh yeah, it helps out the expectation for sure because if you do it once, then they're gonna expect it every time. So it's like creating the disciplines of, hey, how, how, what is my business going to look like? Ensuring that you obviously work to hit the goals, financial goals, and service your clientele. But then, you know, still have that work-life balance. Still be disciplined to that. Have expectations. And then, you know, if you are responding late nights, always immediately jumping in the car to go show a property, you do it once, they're going to expect it every time. So it's yep. better to set that out the gate. Yep, yep. And, and um, another big thing I learned when I first started was when Rose was still in the office mm-hmm. and she told us, listen, someone calls and they want to see a house at noon or there's a, a lead that gets put out. They want to see this house at noon, but you're not available at noon. Okay, perfect. Take the lead anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. It looks like we actually have an 1130 available or a 130. You tell mm-hmm. them what your schedule mm-hmm. is. If you happen to have a full day wide open, you can give them that option, but you also want them to realize that you're busy too. Yeah. So, you know, you tell them, here's your two options of times. I can do, there's one time slot in the morning, there's one time slot in the afternoon, which one works for you? Mm-hmm. 100%. So, I mean, we covered a lot here and I kind of want to sum it up and just go over, but one thing you kind of brought up that we discussed is what I call reverse engineering the schedule. It's like, hey, Chevy, all your personal things, the things you like to do, put them in your calendar. All the, or your obligations, whether it's friends or family, add that to the calendar, then all that blank white space, that's where you kind of fill it in with work. And what that does, obviously, real estate, when you're a struggling agent or you're starting off as a new agent, you know, there's a lot of stress that comes with that. Right. So, you know, if you're not getting the production, you're not seeing the dividends of your labor right away, 
then it creates a lot of stress. Now, if you've compromised everything you like to do, plus you're not able to fulfill your obligations that you're, you're supposed to do, then you're, you get into your kind of your own head. You're like, why am I doing this? I'm not making money. Plus, I sacrificed everything. So I think one of the most crucial things to do is kind of create that discipline, create that calendar. Also, too, on the flip side, from a psychological standpoint, if you have a client and they're calling you and every time they call, you run out and show a property opposed to hey, I have an appointment here, but I can do, you know, tomorrow at two or tomorrow at six, which one works better. You're showing that you're busy, right? They don't know, like you said, alluded to with the appointments, you're just showing that you're busy and you're constantly working. And people like to work with people they know are busy. If you're constantly able to jump in the car and go show them the property, you know, they're going to start to subconsciously think, how busy is she? Am I their only client? Is she that good? You know, they're going to start questioning you. So you kind of want to take what I call that authoritative standpoint yeah. and say, hey, I'm the advocate here. I'm going to provide the advice. I'm going to get you what you need. But, you know, we're going to create some boundaries and make yep. sure that, you know, it works for me. Because obviously, as you build up your book of business, your clientele, you're not going to be able to run around and jump for everybody because you're going to have multiple people you're right. working with. So you're going to yep. have to be disciplined to the schedule. Yep. And something else you were talking to about, um, like when you were talking about kind of getting that balance and everything, getting into production with the phones and stuff and kind of making the calls. Are you doing a lot of your prospecting while you're driving or is it more just kind of like your follow up or? people who have called kind of in between appointments? Usually if I'm in the car and it's calls, it's, it's follow-ups or people that are, you know, calling back from in between appointments, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I do the majority of my prospecting in the mornings, um, you know, get up, take the little one to school, then come home an hour, two hours, however long I need to just sit there and follow up with people and make sure that everybody... Is it like a scheduled regiment? Is it in your calendar? It's not in my calendar, but um, I'm usually pretty good because that's just the beginning of my morning. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think I put it in my calendar because then if somebody does need a morning appointment, I am flexible. I can do that. Um, but I do, that, that's my morning. I get up, I check my email, I make calls, I follow up text messages. I'm like, oh, this person's looking and they're active right now. Let me see what they're looking at and send them that same house in a text. <laughs> so, if you're, so what it sounds like is you have it, you kind of keep it as flexible workspace. You know, you're going to be working. And if you aren't with a client or servicing a customer, then you're going to be using that to prospect. And you're pretty disciplined that, hey, as soon as I drop my daughter off at school, my daughter off at school there's going to be time I start to work. If I'm not going to be out in the field, then I'm going to be doing everything that I need to prospect, drum up yep. business, so that way you can get back out in the field, show homes, or go yep. on listing appointments. Morning is for scheduling coffee, emails. <laughs> coffee. coffee. That's a vital one. Lots of coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. So let me, so coming from Alaska, obviously moving to Florida, not only, you know, making the relocating here to the Bay Area um, and, you know, dealing with, honestly, completely different lifestyle, I'm assuming, just the terrain, weather, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> all of it. And then kind of doing a polar opposite on the career, right? Going from a very introvert, what I would consider introverted, just staring at a computer all day, crunching numbers, to now more of a social extrovert, constantly talking, communicating with people, cultivating relationships. What's one thing that you didn't expect or you saw coming when you started off uh, your career in real estate? Um, or maybe something you took for granted? I mean, I think that I, one thing I didn't expect, because accounting was very introverted. My side gig when I was accounting was I was also a bartender. So okay. I had both sides going there, right? So there you go. I, I know that like relationship side to people, not just sitting there crunching numbers in Excel spreadsheets that are the death of you. But um, I didn't realize the vast majority of people 
um, that you're working with, like some, you, the range of personalities Mm -hmm. is astounding. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the bar, you see some of that, but a lot of times when you're bartending, you you kind of have the same kind of clientele most of the time. Yeah. Because they're sitting at a bar drinking. Yes. Um, but, you know, you get some of these clients that the first time you meet them, they will tell you their entire life story. And you get some clients that the first time you meet them, it takes you till your 10th meeting for you to get them to crack a smile. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a little bit harder, I guess, to build some of those relationships sometimes. I mean, I, I feel like I've done pretty well. I actually still talk to quite a few of my past clients. It's awesome. Um, but it's... Um, it's very different and you see a huge range of personalities and what people are like. And it seems weird to say, but I don't think I expected that. So it sounds like, you know, kind of just the psychology of cultivating those relationships is something that you might not have foreshadowed or kind of seen coming. And then once you started to kind of notice this, you became consciously aware or what were certain things that you did to adapt to kind of learning all these different personas? Um, you know, you kind of just have to match their energy is, I guess, the best way to put it, right? There's a lot of psychology behind, like, mirroring people and um, doing all these different things to kind of crack that egg with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's absolutely true. You know, you just kind of match their energy. If they're super chatty, be super chatty with them. If they're kind of cold shoulder a little bit until you can break that, yeah, I'm not super chatty with mm-hmm. them. You know, you're like, all right, cool. More would direct. You, can you see another, would you like to see another house? No? Okay, mm-hmm. thanks, bye. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you match their energy. Mm-hmm. And then once they finally get comfortable with you, now you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and matching energy, I'd also say too, I'd, I'd kind of double down and say it's also their language pattern, right? How do they communicate? How frequently and what method of communication? And if you know, if like you're somebody who likes to text, but you have a client who likes to be on the phone, you better learn to have You to gotta do. learn to be on the phone. Exactly, and talk, and vice versa. You know, you do, where I said, hey, take control of your calendar and have that structure. You do need to mirror the cadence that they wanna be spoken to, and then the method as well. You know, how often, how frequently. Some people need to be spoken to 10 times a day. Other people might be every 10 days you hear from them. Yep. So you're working yep. with. So it's just kind of mirroring that and learning it, and then obviously matching the energy levels as well, because if somebody's real nervous, and kind of timid and you come in intense and all excited you might kind of scare them off or shut them down exactly exactly and and you do um i find obviously it's 2022 most people have their phone in their hands at all times anyways um but most people are more inclined to have a text conversation with you than a phone conversation Mm -hmm. and there i have plenty of clients that before meeting them the first time i had only ever text with them Mm -hmm. and you know that's just how people are because you know Nobody wants to get on the phone anymore. Yeah, true. So, you know, it's easier for them to just respond to a text message than it is to have to sit there and have a whole phone conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So as fast as real estate is moving, right, you know, we're in a very volatile market, but obviously it's constantly changing with technology, consumer demand. Um, you know, I, I call it the Amazon effect, immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you do to kind of help yourself not kind of go start crazy or get nervous when there's all these changes. It's like you're constantly evolving, constantly re-evaluating you know, yourself. Hey, it's like, all right, I got this down. I finally got my plan in place. It's working perfectly. But nope, now I got to shift and add something, <laughs> take something away because people want to, I got to get to them quicker or the market's change or whatever it might be. A lot of agents, I think, struggle. Like everybody likes that, hey, I got my routine. And in real estate, is you need to get the routine, no routine, but you also have to know that your routine is your routine is always changing. Yes. Right? Yes. So what are some things that you do to kind of help 
adapt and have the mindset to know that you're always going to be changing and evolving? Um, you know, one of the big things is last year, as we all know, it kind of goes back to the calendar and scheduling thing, right? Where last year, you know, you didn't want to seem like you would just jump at anything, but you also kind of had to because Mm -hmm. things were going so quickly, you know, something would list and an hour later, the listing says that they want highest and best by tomorrow at noon. You're like, all right, so what time can we get in today? So there was a lot of that last year. This year, obviously, the pace has slowed down, um, which gives you the flexibility to say, okay, we can go tomorrow at this time. But um, with interest rates continuing to go up, especially after yesterday, um, one of the big things is, A, being fully educated by your local lenders Mm -hmm. and whichever lender you're using so that you can kind of calm people's fears. But also, it's still matching their energy and their pace if – if they're getting stressed out because the interest rates keep going, like still send houses. You don't have to send them 47 houses a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, still kind of every once in a while send a house. Be like, hey, I saw this. I know that it fits what you're looking for. I know that interest rates are terrible. But let's let's chat a little bit about what um, a local lender can do for you, how we can make this a little bit better. And, you know, just remember that when it does go down, and I've had to explain this recently to a few clients, is when those interest rates do come back down, we're going to be – in a similar situation to last year. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have to come all the way down to 2% for mm-hmm. that to happen. They're going to, they start hitting five, five. and below, yeah. it's going to build that frenzy again. People mm-hmm. are going to be like, okay, I'm ready to buy now. So we're going to be back in multiple offer situations. And so it's just kind of helping people at their pace to understand the process a little better. There's Absolutely. a lot more of educating your clients this year mm-hmm. than there was last year. Because last year it was, I'll take whatever house I can get. I don't even yeah. care. Money's just going to be imprinted. <laughs> yeah. Thrown in everybody, yeah. Everybody's got money. <laughs> yeah. Money yeah. was everywhere. Currencies um, are being created. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's just money flying out, checks everywhere. And now it seems we got back to like, you know, practicality, the norm. And then obviously, you know, because of that, now we're kind of seeing, dealing, I guess, with the repercussion of all that money that was printed out and, and all the spending was going on. And, it's, you know, once that corrects, I do agree that we will be back. I don't think in a similar market as we saw the beginning of this year, but definitely a much more active market now. I'd probably say like right around pre-COVID, that early to 2020, right. late 2019, right. no, which we're, is a very good I, market. I don't think we're going to get back to the craziness. Yeah. Hopefully we can all <laughs> knock on wood and pray. Um, but, you know, there will. It'll be a much more active market. You might see houses going in one to seven days instead of 47 days. Yeah. Um, uh, you you might see multiple offers on a few of these houses because they're a great price point, they're a great neighborhood, whatever, so be it that a lot of people are looking in that area. But for now, it's really just educating our buyers at their pace and our sellers at the pace that they need to be at to make the right decision for their family and their purchase. Yeah, 100%. And we know that the statistics, the last time I checked, was 85% of realtors who get into uh, a real estate career you know, don't make it after two years. So within 24 months, only 15% of agents are still practicing real estate. Obviously, you're going to be in that 15%, uh, very, you know, getting to success right out the gate, producing at a high level. What would be one of the tips that you would give to a new agent, maybe even a struggling agent, somebody who is already in real estate, but not having that success that they want? If you had to give them like one nugget of information, one thing to like, hey, this will be a game changer, start doing this and kind of build on it. What would be that foundational piece that you would give? I mean, I don't know that there's just one nugget, right? It's all kind of rolled into one. Um, but one of them is you, you have to be hungry. Mm-hmm. You have to be hungry. You have to follow up with your clients, even if 
they just told you absolutely not i'm never moving well maybe not that if they said they're never moving mm-hmm. but they're like well i'm thinking about holding off you got to be persistent with them mm-hmm. um, because all it takes is that client to click one time on zillow or realtor.com and see a house they like and they haven't heard from you in three months so they're going to someone else mm-hmm. that's all it literally takes one click and it's happened to me yeah. it sucks it's a reality check it happens to everyone um but you know you have to be hungry you have to be stay on top of your game top of mine top of someone's game um and um you have to be especially here in the bay area it's it's hard because tampa's so big mm-hmm. you know all the counties that we cover what seven counties total that's yeah. a lot of space mm-hmm. but you have to be able to look at stuff coming in especially leads for us and you can't just say well i live in 33596 so i'm not going any further than 33596 no you <laughs> something comes in in sarasota bye guys i yeah. gotta go to sarasota today yeah um you want busy you got to stay busy that's what it is mm-hmm. the biggest thing is staying busy how are you going to stay busy you're going to travel outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. you're going to stay on top of those clients you're you know you're going to keep reaching out to them even if they said they're kind of pausing a little bit you know we're really fortunate here with our systems and processes and everything that we have in place that some of that is automated automated for us but that doesn't mean you can rely on that mm-hmm. just because someone gets an email every other week that they delete and don't open in the first place doesn't mean you're at the top of their mind when they click on that mm-hmm. one magical house that they found on Realtor. Absolutely. It's not, you know, you're working on their timeline and you don't know when that's going to be. So yeah. I've gone, you know, where we farmed and they'd have three years of newsletters. I've never heard from them until the appointment, but they've been saving everything. So you don't know, you know, who's following you, who's paying attention. But I will say this, it's the compound effect is if you're doing an activity and then you stop, they will notice that. And at that point, a lot of times you lose them. So it's saying, a lot of what I've seen from agents who do have a higher level of success, staying disciplined to the little things where other agents will kind of slack on like, all right, I got to make my calls like for you every morning if you're not in the field. Oh, you know what? This morning I'm going to skip, right? And then at night you're supposed to do something. Oh, I'm just going to call it a night. And then you start compounding, not working, and you go a completely different direction. So what I'm hearing is just staying disciplined to your routine, having a strong work ethic, yeah. and then just traveling outside your comfort zone, going wherever you need to go to get a check. Obviously, if the calls or the leads aren't coming in, and you're a certain mile radius from your house, you need to get paid, you want to service clients, you're looking to build your database, so just get in the car and drive if you got the time. Yeah, I mean, what else are you doing? Yeah, I agree. If you don't have anything else going on, I'm a perfect example. If it's not my week with my daughter, I'm usually working at least an eight hour day, sometimes 10 or 12. I'm all over the place on the week that I don't have her. That doesn't mean I don't work when I do have her. Mm-hmm. I just have a much smaller time period that I yeah. work. And you're, you're probably servicing clients rather than picking up more. Yes. And, and yep. starting those new relationships. Yeah. Yep. You just got to stay busy. Stay busy. So that's the secret. If, if you're not working, what are you doing? <laughs> Vacationing. I guess that's what it would be called. I need some of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. So, Chef, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you for coming uh, for another episode of the Real Estate Playbook and for... Any buyer or seller out in the marketplace right now in the Bay Area or maybe somebody relocating, looking to move down here um, in all the counties that we do service, Chevy, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Ooh, probably um, directly on my phone. Um, So call or text 813-452-7514. So it's 813-452-7514. And if they want to email real quick, what's the best email to reach you on? Sherilyn, C-H-E-R-I-L-Y-N at... 54realty.com. Perfect. And we'll make sure that we get that up on the website too. Thank you. So that will be up there. If you guys want to go to the real estate playbook website, 
you'll be able to pull up Chevy's information as well. We thank you all for tuning in. Take care and have a great day.